0: sin luz y sin fe latiendo a solas
1: Welcome back to Vibe New Mexico. It's been a minute. It's been a while since we've done Vibe New Mexico. We are getting started again, right? I can't say after COVID, like we were just talking and things are starting to happen, especially for the music and the music industry and all the different artists and all the different businesses are starting to pick up. We're looking forward to being out there in the public and meeting everybody And starting once again, and what better episode than to have my amazing friend Laura Manzanares with us on this podcast? She is phenomenal. I have adored listening to her and just been completely amazed at the person that Laura is from her music endeavors to everything that she puts forward. She is originally from Tierra Maria, Belos and Corales. And, you know, she has just been all over the place. Not just here in New Mexico, but I believe even all over the world in the United States. She's lived different places. She's well-rounded. She came back to New Mexico and pursued a very prestigious and highly acclaimed and appreciated music career. And she doesn't just do one genre of music. She does a plethora. It is so many different types of music from English, folk, Spanish. She's a weaver, farmer, lover of nature, artist, singer, songwriter. The list goes on and on with Laura. It is my pleasure to have her on Vibe New Mexico. She has paired with many prestigious New Mexico artists and shared the stage with artists such as Carlos Merina, Lone Pinion, Felix Gato Peralta, uh with the amazing song, Dos Corazones, Rob Martinez from Los Reyes de Albuquerque, and, of course, collaborated and learned from the folk father, Cipriano Vigil. Like I said, the list goes on and on. Welcome, Laura. How are you doing?
2: Hi, Andrea. Thank you for having me. I'm doing well today.
1: It's so awesome to have you, and I think I've, I approached you probably when we first started because... You know, somebody with the kind of, uh, passion and the soul and spirit that you have and you bring to the music is what I believe people need to, um, to hear about. Sometimes within the music industry, people get sidetracked on the wrong, what would you call it, road. And, you know, just you are as authentic and as genuine, I believe, as they come. Your music is just amazing. You're, you're organic and real. And I, really have been such a fan of yours for such a long time. So this is a pleasure for me. Tell me a little bit about what's been happening lately with you. How was COVID? How did it
2: affect you? Oh, man. Well, it was a really lonely year for me. Um, But it was also a very interesting year. I kind of kept doing stuff. I was sort of surprised at how busy I continued to be. Even though we were all locked in our homes and stuff, you know, I came across some video projects or either I was approached or I found them. Um, and like some opportunities happened that maybe wouldn't have happened if we hadn't been in this situation. Like, um, the Kennedy Center during COVID, they decided to do their Arts Across America series. Like normally, Not not, not in COVID. They have people out in Washington, D.C., and, like, they do do a concert every day. Um, And because of COVID, they couldn't do that. So what they ended up doing was just having, like, each state send in, you know, a video or do a live stream um, of somebody from the state. And so I got to do that. I got to be part of the Kennedy Center's Arts Across America program. Um, without having to leave town. That's awesome. <laughs> so I don't cool. know if that would have happened, you know, if, if we hadn't been in COVID and been doing video stuff. So, right. so there was some interesting things like that that came up. Um, I did really miss playing for an audience though. It's, uh, like I'm really grateful for the video stuff and I learned a lot as far as even just like the simplest of production type of things. Um, I made a music video for myself, which I may not have done had I not had, you know, like so had awesome. like a deadline and like we want to play do this video. And uh, I'd made a video for the census song. And so, so I learned a lot, but, but I, um, I, I missed seeing people. I mean, I missed the, I guess, validation that comes from like when you sing and you, you know, there's a connection with people or, or maybe they're like, you know, not into it and they leave or whatever, which that's always the fear, I guess. (laughs) Like there's always a little, little bit of fear in every musician's head, I think, about that kind of thing. But that's part of the excitement, I think, of playing in front of actual people is like, um, is having those experiences person to person with, with people, uh, and, and singing, And telling stories to a video camera, like alone in your room, um, is difficult. It's really difficult.
1: I love that you say that because a lot of people have said that before or it seems to come very natural to some people. But I think sometimes what happens in those situations are we second-guess ourselves and triple-guess ourselves Mm -hmm. and we're our worst critics and what is probably flawless to me or somebody else to you you're going to look at and say i need to do it again but i have to say that video that you did was probably the one that has stuck out in my mind the most because it was so original so fun and just so neat for the census is this the one we're talking about yeah yeah. it was
2: just an amazing production part of the reason that i even i mean that I even was able to do that, um, was that I had a real very tight deadline for that one. Um, I just had a couple of days to put it together. And so in a way that was good for me because it forced me to not question myself. It kind of forced me to kind of be like, okay, I mean, I'm going to do this and I don't have time to, to like, Go back and forth about like, oh, how is this going to look or think about mm, how people might criticize it or, or criticize it myself even? Cause like you said, a lot of us are our own worst critic. Myself seeing video of myself, uh, can be excruciating at times. <laughs> you know, it's just like, ah, um, so the census song video, I, I actually like that one a lot because I was put under this deadline where I just had to like go for it and I did it and everything else fell away for a while. Mm -hmm. And that inner critic, um, you know, I was just like, I don't have time for you. Like, (laughs) I don't have time (laughs) for you to, to, to tell me stuff or whatever. So I'm just going to do it. And this is me and I'm just going to be me. And that's gotta be enough because this is due in like two days, <laughs> so I better just do it and stick by it and stand by it. And, and if at some point it turns out that like, you know, I realize that there's a flaw in it later on or something, it's just kind of like, well, oh, well, so that was a really good experience for me because I, I can be an overthinker if I'm not careful. Um, we've talked about yeah. that before. <laughs> I
1: remember that, um, you're very precise. Anthony's birthday is around the same time as yours, and he's mm. the same way. He's very articulate and very just – he's um, an analytical thinker that it's, it's a certain way, and he's very precise about things that he does. And I think that is one of the things that maybe are your biggest gifts because – For somebody like myself standing there, I'm like, that was like perfect. It was flawless. It was beautiful, you know, beautifully done. And yet you're overthinking it or or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But it's that kind of work that you put out that makes people realize how professional and why you're so successful at what you do. It's kind of like when you're weaving, right? It's Mm -hmm. so precise. And that's something that it shows through your music and your songwriting, um, what I love about your, you know, your artistry is the fact that you're very real and, and even you just talking, it's just so, it's just real. It's like I said, organic. It comes from roots of a deeper place and a meaning and you're kind of maybe not even aware of it. And I think people catch onto that authenticity within you and they want to know more about Laura, mm-hmm. uh, talking with other friends, they're like, Oh, just Laura's just an amazing person. And you get what you see with Laura. Mm -hmm. You've been through a lot of different things and, um, you've done a lot of different projects. Can you tell me how did, you know, music come about in New Mexico for you? How did it start? Was it a childhood dream or where you start? Did you start when you were a child
2: or how did it evolve to where you are today? Yeah. Okay. Well, um, Thanks to my grandma, um, who to whom music was very important, um, she took myself and my brother and my sisters to music lessons from when we were little. She made sure that we had music lessons um, because in in school in Tierra Maria, there's uh, there wasn't a music program. You know, it's a very small population and not much funding, and uh, maybe even not much interest. I'm I don't know but um you know we didn't have band we didn't have anything <laughs> as far as music <laughs> so i was really fortunate to have um my grandma vera boyd um take an interest and card us off to music lessons so i started playing the piano when i was about 4 oh, um, cool. and i don't know i guess i liked it it became an outlet for me um the piano at that time and i was always making up songs in my head and kind of singing them but just to myself you know cuz i was embarrassed and as a little kid and um and uh so yeah i always had songs inside um and i used to sing along to my uh my mom and dad's record collection and it was a lot of um it was like johnny rivers and the beatles of course um a lot of johnny cash um, who else? The Doors. I was a big fan of The yeah. Doors when I was like in third grade. Which <laughs> is kind of funny. Yeah, I didn't understand what they were saying in their lyrics for a very long time. <laughs> I just knew that I liked the music. Um, so so there was a lot of that. There was uh, my great grandfather Luterio Martinez. He was a musician out in Tierra Maria. He was a piano player. Oh, wow. um, he used to play at the dances at Litos Ballroom in Tierra Maria and and wherever else he would get called, you know, go gigging, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um and so when I was very very young, I remember hearing him play the piano a lot. Um and and he played he played like like a uh, like old traditional stuff like cuna, like you know, like which I've only learned now is or more recently, like, you know, a certain style mm-hmm. of very specific um, regional music of northern New Mexico. Mm-hmm. And so he would play some of that stuff. La Varsoviana was the mm-hmm. very first dance I ever remember, like, actually learning. Um, my grandma taught me while her dad, my great-grandpa, was playing the piano. And um, so those are, those are some of the influences um, from a very early age and... My dad, as I was growing up, he used to tell me that I was going to be a rock star one day. Mm -hmm. He had, like, three things. He had, like, three career paths in mind for me. I was either going to be a rock star and play at Carnegie Hall. Or was it Carnegie Hall? Or Radio City Music Hall. Oh, Or I was gonna be like a professional basketball player before that even existed for women. He was like basketball um, because he really loves basketball, and then the other one was a nun. So (laughs) those were his three his three picks for me as a kid. Or he used to joke around about that. Yeah, Um, and I always think it's kind of interesting that I. I'm doing music now. I I don't think think that I'm a rock star or anything like that, but like, um, that's, it's funny. And, and there have been a couple of times, like during COVID I was like, yeah, maybe I could be a nun. I mean, I don't know. (laughs) I'm basically living like one right now. So, um, you know, just add in a little more prayer and, uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just joking. If there's any, any, um, religious, uh, folks out there, I'm sure being a nun is like much <laughs> a much deeper commitment than that. Um, so anyway, you t- take all of that. I'm I'm doing piano lessons, um, and I start guitar lessons when I'm about sixteen because uh, my brother is taking violin lessons, and we're both going to the same orthodontist and having a music lesson at the same time in Farmington and Bloomfield. So I would go along for the ride um, to the orthodontist, and then we'd have a music lesson, and he was learning uh, violin from this um, gentleman named J.K. Brown out in Bloomfield, like, like a bluegrass kind of guy.
0: Oh, so cool.
2: And um, so I started playing guitar because we were going to—his his violin lesson, his fiddle lesson, and my grandma, I, I don't think she really liked just seeing me just, like, sit around you know she was like yeah (laughs) yeah that's kind of how she was and she's like well why don't you learn to play the guitar so you can hold chords for your brother and i said okay whatever sure (laughs) you know i was like 15 maybe i was 14 i don't know but you know so i started learning the guitar and I learned by mainly by ear um i do know how to read music for the guitar but i like i mainly play by ear Mm. um So, and then, uh, yeah, guitar, Um, I accompanied my brother, I played with my grandma Vera and grandpa Richard Boyd, Um, you know, like old cowboy songs and old uh, Mexican songs, El Hijo Desobediente was probably one of the first songs that I learned how to sing because my grandpa really loved that song, uh, my grandpa Richard.
1: Hi, this is Darren Cordova, inviting you to listen to my good friend, Andrea Michelle, to get the latest on what's happening in New Mexico music.
0: Um,
2: and my guitar teacher, this Mr. Brown, the same one that was teaching my brother, he kept saying hey, you should sing. Have you ever tried singing? Have you ever tried singing? And of course I was like, by that time in my life, like once you, um, I, I, like, I hardly spoke at all in high school. Like I was super self-conscious and reserved and, um, just high school, you know, it's kind of, can be kind of a scary place. Yeah. Um, so he, he was kept telling me to sing and I was just like, mm. and like <laughs> deep down, like, yeah, I really wanted to, I'd wanted to, since I was a little kid, I used to sing like to the little, little mermaid when I was in kindergarten, you know, and my sisters would be like, shut up, you know? Um, and I guess I took that to heart. Uh, cause I just kind of was like, okay, fine. Like, I don't want to cause trouble. I don't want to, you know, so I'll just be quiet. And, and, um. Uh, So I kind of wanted to, but I, like, also was really super bashful about calling attention to myself because I was also much taller than everyone else, and I just felt, like, out of place in high school. Um, So, you know, I'm already, like, taller than everybody and um, super quiet, and, and you want me to, like, sing and like, <laughs> and call more attention to, to myself. So, um, so yeah, it was a very high school way of, of feeling. <laughs> um, but he finally convinced me to sing a couple of times in, in the lessons. And I, I just sang and, and he said, Whoa, well, you need to do that in public now. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, so they convinced me to sing at my brother's graduation party. Um, and and I did. I sang, like, one song. And my dad heard me because I was super embarrassed to play in front of my dad and sing in front of my dad. I don't know why. It's just easier to sing in front of people that I don't know for some reason, mm-hmm. especially when I was that age, you know. Um, so he heard me, and he, was, he got on board with the guitar teacher. He was like, you need to, you know, I think maybe he saw his dream of, Rock star hatching or something. <laughs> I don't know, but he was like, you need to sing and you need to sing in front of people and stuff. And I was just like, Oh no, no. <laughs> um, so at that time, my parents would uh, sell lamb at farmer's markets and they still do. My dad still goes to the Santa Fe farmer's market and he sells lamb there. Uh, but at that time it was closer to the early days of when they were doing the markets and stuff. So, um, So myself or my siblings, we would go help, you know, we would go help set up the stand and sell lamb and give change and, you know, just work the farmer's market. And, um, um, so at that time my dad did the Taos market, he did Los Alamos market um, they did the Los Ranchos market, the Corrales market, the Albuquerque downtown growers market. Wow. Of course, the Santa Fe farmers market, you know, I was kind of just traveling all yeah. over, um, to try and make a living. And, uh, and he started telling me like, you need to bring your guitar and I the other day I saw this girl over there and she had or this guy or somebody I saw this person over there and they were just playing music and people were giving them money in their case you should do that you need to do that and I was just like no dad oh my god no (laughs)
0: um
2: so there was a series of Saturdays when um or whatever day of the week it was that we would go where he would say next time we go to market I want you to bring your guitar and I'd say, okay, okay, dad. And then, and then, you know, the day would come and I would just like, the truck is packed. Right. <laughs> and so I would just like not say anything and just get in the truck, get in the passenger seat. It was just like, just me and him. And then we'd start going and it's like 4am or something. Cause we're up in Tierra Maria. So we had to drive a lot to get anywhere. And then we'd be going for a little while and then he'd say, oh, did you put in your guitar? Oh, no, I forgot. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. I forgot. And he was, oh, next time you need to bring your guitar. So that happened like three times where I kept conveniently forgetting to pack my guitar. And then uh finally we were going to, I think it was Los Ranchos or maybe Corrales Market. It was somewhere in the Albuquerque area. And And he, I think he was on to (laughs) me, you know, (laughs) you can only avoid for so long. And, you know, parents are smart, smarter than you think when you're a kid. And, um, so he put my guitar in the truck. (laughs) He he just didn't even ask me. He just put my guitar in the truck and I saw him do it and I was like, oh shit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but what could I do? I had to go. So we got in the truck and we went to the market and everything and we got there and set everything up and it was still pretty quiet and he he's like okay and he went to the truck and he got out the guitar and he put it down and I don't know if he had a music stand or I don't remember how the music stand happened but there was one and like my music book which was a folder um, of songs printed off of like elmariachi.com at that time yeah. and like other places, I'm not sure where we got them. Uh, it was a gift from another vendor named uh, Eloy um, oh, Tru- Trujillo. Eloy, uh, Trujillo. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had these lyrics and stuff. So my dad got the guitar out and he st- opened the case and he just was, he like stood me there and was like, come here, you're going to sing. And he like put the <laughs> guitar like in my hands and I was like, oh my God, dad, like, <laughs> And I just, you know, left me there. Um, And so I just kind of looked down at the lyrics and, like, didn't look up at all and (laughs) just, like, started, like, plowing through, like, you know, strumming and, like, "Ah," like, singing the song but just, like, almost shaking, you know, just, like, almost frozen. (laughs) But just, like, singing, like, I just got to get through this. And um, so I sang for a little while and I remember at a certain point, I kind of like looked up, you know, and I noticed that there was like a bunch of dollar bills in my case, oh. and I was like, "Oh, oh yeah, maybe I could do this." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that was some nice validation from some very so lovely cool. people who decided to, you know, tip and this then, kid who then was on playing,
1: you s- kept taking that guitar.
2: Yeah, I did. I took my guitar and then it became actually kind of nice because I got to go play music while my family was working. <laughs> <laughs> I always felt a little bit guilty about that. I mean, I guess in retrospect, I was working too. Like I was mm-hmm. just doing my own thing right. on the side there. But yeah, I started taking my guitar every every Saturday. And then I uh, started playing with other uh, uh, gentleman named Glenn Martinez he was the custodian at the Los Alamos schools at that time and he would go to the farmers markets and sell these like little um like little animals that he would paint made out of oh, like dried out go- go- gourds oh cool you know and mm-hmm. he had his little like craft stand there and um he brought his guitar and we struck up a friendship and um and he would he was my lead guitar player after that so we kind of like made a little band i guess me and then i my grandma gave me an electric guitar and a pa and um we would go to the farmer's market and go to glenn's uh stand and we'd just jam the whole time sometimes another gentleman would come another one of the vendors would come and play the harmonica with us or glenn's friend uh frank quintana they called him frankie so he neat. He would drop by and he gave me like this whole big folder full of song lyrics as well. And he would play the requinto and he would just go. So neat. Go to town and I, I don't know, I think I learned a lot from those guys. But, so yeah, that was my high school <laughs> That is thing. such and an amazing. Meanwhile, no one at school ever heard me sing. Like, I wow. t- I didn't talk. Like, I wouldn't dare sing in front of anyone at school. But I would, would go to the farmer's market and just be like, la, you know, in so front of So there was
1: never a whoever. time that they knew in school that you sang? No, never, wow. never. Um, that is so cool. I, I mean, now looking back, any of your classmates, are they like,
2: we never even knew you sang? or Actually, um yeah, just on June 5th, I guess, 5th or 6th, when I played in Albuquerque at Casa Flamenca. And I had, it was a trio. I had uh, Tanya Nunez on bass and Arnaldo Acosta on drums and played mostly my original music. And um, it was a, I enjoyed the show. I felt wow. like I did a good job and everything. And then after the show, uh, or maybe it was even during, I remember I looked to the side and I, like, you know when, like, you see someone that you know and you have, like, an instinctual, like, like, I did the, like, like, you know, the, like, what's up, like, that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And I was, like, what even while my mind was kind of, like, figuring out who this person was, like, my body was just, like, what's up, like, oh, yeah, the, you yeah. know, this is, this is my uh, classmate Chris from, you know, from Chama, yeah. like, and I, and we did the, like. You know, the, you can't see it on the podcast, but you know, yeah. you kind of the chin up the, like chin up mm, the, the head mm. thing. And he was like, you know, <laughs> and, and then, uh, and, uh, it was, that was really cool. That was really cool. And then after the show, I talked to him and, and, um, and another classmate, Monique and and Chris was like, I didn't know you could sing. Like I never heard you ever. And I was like, yeah, I know. But that is so
1: cool. And I mean, That's an amazing start for you, but since then, you've just done so much. For a while, you've traveled all over the place. You've traveled and lived everywhere. I mean, what did we say? Chicago? Was Chicago Washington? I know we were talking when we went to lunch. Mm -hmm. Um,
2: Just name some of the places that you've lived. Um, I guess I'll go in chronological order. Because I know there's... Tierra Maria. Uh I was born in Tierra Maria at the... At the clinic, la clínica del pueblo, to a barefoot doctor. Apparently, that's what they say. It was like, you know, the doctor didn't like to wear shoes. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was born in Tierra Maria. Um, then, uh, in college, I lived in Appleton, Wisconsin, and during college, I did an internship in Washington, D.C. at the Smithsonian. Um, Folklife Center, Center for Life and Cultural Heritage. Um, so I guess you could say I lived there, but it was, like, for a few months only. Yeah. Um, also in college, I lived in Granada, Spain yeah. for a little while. That was, that was a very interesting experience. Um, yeah, it was, it was cool. Like, there was some neat music and, like, street musicians and, like, quitanos just, like, playing their Just like it's part of their life, you know. It's just like it is for you guys, and I guess for me, you know, Mm -hmm. seeing that authenticity there too of just music and dance is just like a big part of the culture. So, uh, Granada, Spain, um, or as they say, Granada. And then um, after that, came back to New Mexico for a little while and worked at the Ghost Ranch and coached basketball, um, coached JV basketball at Escalante for a season. Then I went to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I lived there for almost a year. Um, And then from there, I went to Chicago, and I was there for a year. And then from Chicago, I went to San Francisco, California, and I was there for six years in the end. Um, and this whole time I'm kind of like coming back to New Mexico yeah. for visits or like, you know, for a couple of weeks or whatever. But um, yeah, I was I was out of state for quite a while. And then I came back to live mm-hmm. here in New Mexico. So, so with
0: so.
1: all of that traveling, would you say you definitely took a piece of those places and placed them into your music? They were a um, something that you were able to experience and make a part of what you do today because you definitely what I love about artists is I like people who are different and they don't all sound the same Mm -hmm. I mean it can get a little dry and redundant when you're listening to the same thing over and over again but you're definitely somebody that just is um you know, different in such a good way that it's, it's nice to hear. Mm -hmm. And when you hear it, you're like, wow, that's definitely something that I could listen to because it doesn't sound like everything else that is you're listening to all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, not only are you an original and a songwriter with your music, but you do other songs. I'm just wondering, have you attained that um, influence from all the different places and taken a piece of that and made it a part of
2: your music today? Would you say? Yes, I would definitely say that. Um, I also want to add here, though, first that, that I think there is also value in in playing, continuing to play the old songs. You know what I mean. So I, but I know what you mean. Um, it's also nice to freshen, freshen, freshen things up a little bit or dig a little bit deeper. Like, not necessarily, like, let's make a huge change and, like, oh, my God. But, like, right. you know, you can get this really great um, song that is really well-known and you can do something like uh, like what Chris Arellano did with mm-hmm. Un Puño de Tierra. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember when I first kind of w- was back here in New Mexico and I heard that and I was like, oh, man, this is great. Right. Because that's, first of all, just a great song. A lot of people sing it. A lot of people know it because it's a great song. But he, like... Made it himself, you know. Um, so that's sort of what I hope to do and I try to do with my music
0: in Most a way. Most definitely. Yeah. You
1: do. You do. I know like Chris Ariano, he's lived all over as well. Mm-hmm. And he made, he took that, those influences and brought it back into his music. And yes. that's exactly what you do. And I believe everything that you're saying. We do have to continue to keep those traditions mm-hmm. alive. I love the fact that you said you studied under Cipriano Vihil, and that's mm-hmm. a very, um magnificent person to explain or to bring home back that traditional music that folk music the the you know the prestige the what is it the the music i mean the grandfather of i would say folk mm-hmm. and a teacher and and featured all over the world for what he's done yeah and to learn under him how was that for you
2: well um so i first met Mr. Vigil Cipriano when I let's see was we were both my fam, my family and his family were both participating in a Smithsonian Folklife Festival mm-hmm. um, as this living exhibit they called it um, like a cultural exhibit mm-hmm. about cultures along the Rio Grande and uh, my family was was there and when I say there I sit in the National Mall on in Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. every year i don't know what form it's taking right now but historically the center for Folk Life and cultural heritage every year they would have this big two-week festival called the folklife festival and they're they called themselves a living museum because it's on the national mall surrounded by all of like the museum of natural history the all the museums all the museums that are i guess funded by the government <laughs> somebody yeah um, anyway sort of like a national thing right um so they would call themselves the uh it's, it's the living museum because it only existed for a, a period of time and it was like they would bring different people from like uh that year they also did tibet so they brought like people from tibet and oh, they wow. had these like little uh uh yeah, like a lot of tents, a lot of like they would set up stuff and have them doing their crafts and telling stories and like talking about the culture of that place for people to come listen and learn about, mm. about a place from the people. So mm. we were part of the uh, Rio Grande exhibit. And, um, so I first heard him really, I mean, live, you know, in that atmosphere. Wow. So I didn't hear him for I mean we had a couple of cassette tapes maybe but I didn't really like um, I sort of became immersed in a way mm-hmm. <laughs> um you know in the performance aspect of it
0: right.
2: uh at the Folk Life Festival in Washington DC so so I didn't have that experience here in New Mexico I had it in Washington that DC so awesome. where where we were in a situation where people that weren't from here would were coming and listening or, or watching like I was a weaver and my mom was weaving and my dad was like t- showing some sheep and stuff and talking about the culture so we had people coming that were like genuinely interested in in what we were doing and in the music and in the stories that Cipriano would tell and the whole thing and I I don't know it was it was different maybe from from being here in northern New Mexico, where I think if you don't ever travel anywhere, it can become very easy to take for granted, Yes, you know, the things that are around you that are actually really valuable. And so I was introduced to Cipriano and his mu- musicianship and his performance-ness. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's a very good performer, you know, and just... uh and storyteller and a lot of fun and you know to watch and and be a part of the experience and and so I I experienced that sort of through that lens you know it was like yeah I feel cool because like all these people are like really interested in this cool thing and like I'm from there too like yeah I'm mm-hmm. you know so I maybe it gave me a little pride or something that I don't know and and the weaving our area where we were uh doing our thing weaving and spinning and stuff was like literally across the pathway there was these pathways between the tents and stuff Was across the pathway from the music tent Mm. which was great for me because i was i would just like weave and then the bands would play um and they played maybe three sets every day like a morning afternoon and evening or something it was something like that so like I would just weave and hear the bands play the, basically the same set over and over and over again for, for every day for two weeks. So like I might as well have been on tour with them could or so. You have some. got your guitar and went and joined with yeah. them. Yeah. No, oh, no. my goodness. I couldn't <laughs> even like dream of that at that point, but I would go listen and watch, um, uh, Cipriano and his family and, and yeah, I just like got to know those, songs by heart, just like through immersion. I just I mean I love the mm-hmm. donde vas, donde vas corriendo así, Yo me regreso a mi casita que una bola blanca vi like mm-hmm. stuff like that. I was just like, oh this is great. And so so I knew uh I knew him from there and um and I was interested in learning more and years later I um I think I took a class with him through Northern yeah, when I was here for the summer from Chicago one time, and so we, we went around to senior centers and and kind of played. And um, I didn't really have a chance to get much one-on-one time with him at that time, but yeah. it was a fun. It was fun to do the class and meet some of the other folks. A lot of violins. There were many violins, <laughs> and then a few of us playing the guitar. That is just
1: awesome to know that you had that experience with him. When we started Vibe New Mexico, the first person that I wanted to interview was Cipriano. Mm-hmm. He, again, like you, I like the way you said it. Um, coming from New Mexico sometimes is taken for granted and they don't realize the treasures that we have beneath us and around us. And, you know, it, it is taken for granted. And Cipriano would go into the schools and build mm-hmm. guitars with the kids. And some of these parents have no clue. Where me standing there would have been like, I would have been learning from like the grandfather. Like I would have been Mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, you know and just going in his and being in his presence you could just definitely feel his essence and that energy of the love that he has for the music and the stories behind the music mm-hmm. which are so much more when it comes to New Mexico music it's the story it's a story mm-hmm. telling put to music you know to yeah. to song and he told us ghost stories and yeah, and yeah. all kinds of really cool things and it's just an amazing treasure to be able to have somebody to learn from like that and to appreciate so that's cool your weaving is definitely something that is beautiful and you've really really done well with as well do you still do a lot of
2: the weaving I do still weave uh, but it's sort of an off and on thing it's Mm -hmm. uh, it's like when I have time and when I have the energy energy and or whether I'm feeling okay enough to stand up at a loom for Mm -hmm. a few hours, that can be super exhausting. I have some health stuff that kind of plagues me Mm -hmm. on and off. Um, I've mostly learned how to manage it. I think sometimes it shows up again and I'm like, Oh man, I thought I was okay, but I guess I'm not, you know? Um, so one of the things that can be difficult at times is, is standing up, Mm-hmm. for periods of time. Right. And I weave on a Rio Grande style loom. Wow. Um I mean I like the physicality of it because it's big mm-hmm. and I like, you know, feeling like, hey, I'm making this like big thing, mm-hmm. you know, and it's kind of feels kind of industrial and yeah. and you're making noises with the loom. It's like boom boom clack clack and you're just yeah. like going and using your like whole body and stuff. Yeah. Like a song, like the rhythm of a song. And, um, it's kind of meditative as well. Once you get into the, into the flow of it. Um, I could definitely see that. Yeah.
1: And the, the work that you do is beautiful that I've seen on, on just little things here on Facebook and, Mm -hmm. but such an amazing art. And you know, what was the first, what is the first song that you learned to, or not that you learned, what is the first song you wrote? that do you still perform that song or have you ever are these things that sometimes you write and you keep secret or
2: is it like <laughs> and I you, can't wait and to you play want this. me to share it on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> the things that i keep secret
1: <laughs> yeah we're like guess what guys we're gonna buzz out with
2: some of laura's secret songs <laughs> um no actually i let's see I mean, I I was one of those kids that was always singing a song under my breath or like just making regular things into songs. And actually my nephew is just like that. That is so cool. Um, I just saw him yesterday. He's like, what? He's three, I think. Three. Yeah. And he, he's always just like, whatever he's, is going through his mind, he just like sings it, Wow. you know? Um, And so I definitely was a lot more reserved than him, but like, as far as having that thing in in you know in my head all the time Mm -hmm. I'd say that was true but as far as the first song that I remember like actually you know writing and being like this is gonna be a song I do have it and I actually have performed it a couple of times over the last couple of years I did a a show or two here there where I was like doing like a chronological like Songs that I've written in the mm-hmm. order that I wrote them. And, um, it's a song that I wrote in high school, but soon after, must have been soon after I started playing the guitar, maybe a couple of years. And it's actually in Spanish. Oh, wow. Which I think is kind of interesting. I don't know. Just, that's so Because, cool. I mean, I speak Spanish, but English is my first language. Um, but yeah, it's like this song about. uh Well, I could I could kind of sing it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's I mean it's kind of like whatever. Yo quiero Yo quiero escribir una canción, pero las <laughs> palabras no vienen porque se las ha comido el tiburón y adentro las contiene. El tiburón que tiene hambre por la vida por la sangre de una herida mala herida del corazón. Dun, 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 dun. I, I have like, the chills, like <laughs> all
1: I swear, I have the chills. That is so beautiful.
2: Thank you. It's, well, I don't know. Maybe I'll have to record it someday. You definitely but it's just, it feels that. a little embarrassing because it's like, wow. You know, I was all talking about like you know, my heart being broken or whatever. Una herida del corazon and I was like I was like fifteen or sixteen. But I guess you Lots can get passion. your heart heartbroken at any age or yes. have heartache or or whatever, yeah. But I love the way you start it as
1: well, the way you to write a song but they didn't the words didn't come.
2: Yeah. So I yeah, I guess maybe yeah, yo, yo quiero escribir una canción. Mm-hmm. I want to write a song, pero las palabras no vienen. But mm-hmm. the words don't come. Mm-hmm. I must have But yet these like words are just so yeah.
1: beautiful. Like, wow. <laughs> I definitely am looking forward to hearing that on a CD, Laura. Can't wait. <laughs> That's your next big hit. You have a lot of stuff happening right now with COVID. Would you say that things are starting to move fast for you now?
2: Um... Ew they're starting to move differently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I said earlier, like in COVID I was busier than I thought I would be. Mm-hmm. And there were times when I was like, why does it feel like things are moving so fast and so mm-hmm. slow at the same time? So, strange, so yeah. um, so they're still moving for me, but in a, like the, the focus in COVID was almost like a magnification I think for a lot of people, like Mm -hmm. a lot of people, so many people were online all the time that there was a lot of stuff happening there. And now there is this, there are still some things happening online, but the focus is, you know, starting to shift back to in-person stuff. So um, it's, so it's, it's different. It's not necessarily sped up for me so much as it's just different kinds of things that are, you know, like you have to go play somewhere and you have to like, you know, prepare for a trip (laughs) to do that. You have, in my case, I, um, prepare all my food in advance. If I'm lucky enough to have the time, you know, prepare all my food in advance and take it with me and like, make sure that I have my medicines and like that I have enough, and then I'm not going to run out the day before and, like, um, I don't know, make sure you have enough gas. You know, like all the things yeah. that go into planning a trip um, and uh, the time it takes to go someplace and the energy that it takes and stuff. Right. And then you go play and then you got to eat and I don't know, it's just different. Like It is
1: different. Yeah. I, I think that with COVID... People had this time to really be home or to be in this different environment that they were used to. And now with a lot of people coming out now that there's not COVID isn't over, but Mm -hmm. now that things are starting to be a little bit more fast paced, it's definitely brought a different mentality to people and how they interact with one another and Mm -hmm. how they Go about in a public setting. Have you seen that with your music as far as the way they were opposed to the way they are now? Are people approach? Do they approach you differently?
2: Do you feel like COVID had a, a lot to do with that transition? Mm-hmm. Well, since we're so early in the like, you know, reopening up, um, yeah, I have seen a difference for sure. In June, when I played a concert outside at Casa Flamenca, there were. A few people that came over after i finished playing Mm -hmm. and they said oh your concert at the outpost i did this concert at the outpost like right before the pandemic hit that was a lot of fun i had a a loom on stage and i had it mic'd up so that it would make sounds so the sounds would be amplified you know and and i had the spinning wheel there too and i i have some contact mics that i made in grad school that you you know you just put them on the piece itself and then you can hear all the whatever i'm getting sidetracked no you're brilliant i'm like (laughs) wow
1: that is like such a so
2: yeah it was a really fun experience and i i I pulled it off somehow (laughs) to do the concert like with music but also with these additional like loom and i wove a piece like Started it at the beginning and then would sing and then like interact with the loom and the spinning wheel and then like seeing Weave some more and interact with the audience and they helped me choose colors and I did this whole thing where and then at the very end um You know, I didn't it was like a very small little piece that Mm -hmm. I was made made with that time but at the very end then I cut it off and the loom and then like threw it into the crowd and it was like this whole (laughs) Interactive like really super fun thing and so at Casa Flamenca, when I played, there were a few people who said, came up to me and they said, oh my goodness, you know, your concert was the last concert I went to wow. before the shutdown. And this is, the, this one today is the first concert I've is I'm so cool. I've been to since COVID and they were just like, they just seemed like so happy. <laughs> Jeez,
0: to be like that happy, for ha- them.
2: happy, but like also reserved. Yeah. That's what I've noticed in audiences so far. Like people mm-hmm. seem like genuinely happy, but they're not like, woo. they're just, they're <laughs> yeah. like also very quiet and like ref- reflective as well. That's yeah. what I've noticed. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I definitely noticed that for the first concert that we did. Um, there was so many people, but like it, it was different. Like the energy mm-hmm. was different compared to what it was before, yeah. but not only were they different, I think I was different. Mm-hmm. I mean, where before
0: yeah.
1: it was easy to go interact. I wasn't very, uh, I wasn't a very big interactor or whatever. Mm-hmm. At that point I was like, okay, let's go back to the truck. You know, mm-hmm. I just wasn't comfortable. And it's so crazy what, you know, what this has done to a lot of people yeah. in the music. But I mean, I anticipate that things will begin to, be more positive and be more interactive and where we won't have so much anxiety when it comes to the music, because our music is what brings us together.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: it's a fellowship that brings a unity and, and so much more. And it's definitely something that we're seeing a change in. I think most recently.
2: Yeah. I think that music is, I mean, music is always very important. It was important before the pandemic. It was very important during the pandemic Mm -hmm. for so many people uh you know who like use it for or, or need it for their emotional right. health and mm-hmm. stuff like that and now post pandemic i feel like so many of us were so i like isolated or just yeah people went through so much over the last uh 16 months right, right. that's what i heard on the radio that it was 16 yeah. months right now um and people couldn't like go to church you know and be together and worship or you know let off some of that emotional weight together with each other so now that things are opening up and concerts are starting to happen i think that i think that musicians are more important than ever to sort of whether they know it or whether we know it or not to like be there to to facilitate like this the certain kind of healing that can happen when you're in a group of people versus just alone like you can also heal alone too there's a lot of that but i think that being in a group setting with other people having a common experience and um looking at the or feeling the emotions together um can be really profound so
1: that is a huge that's what you said is very profound and that's what i that's the other thing that I really love about you Laura is that, um, you go through these hard times that you mentioned with your health and stuff, but you come through as such a healing person and your presence and your energy is so grounding. You're so grounded. And so that comes through in your music as well. You just talking about like weaving while you're performing is it's, that's, brilliant that was just a lot of fun and people were probably just like (laughs) wow you know and i'm jealous that i wasn't there because that would have been like such an amazing thing to just sit there and watch that interaction with the people and just to see the magic that you were putting out there and connecting with your people and that's what a true performer does that's what a true artist does they connect with their people you also do art i saw the other Mm -hmm. day you had put some this really cool little collage thing and i was like is there anything this woman does that isn't brilliant? (laughs) You know, this is like the coolest thing.
2: The funny thing about all these things that I do is that like, they're how I survive this world. You know, it's, um, they're just part of who I am. And they're just like the things that I have to do to like stay sane and and just try to be healthy and stuff. Um, so yeah. I love that your
1: mind is a lot like, you know, like John Lennon just roll up here and like everyone's like, okay, just trying to, but you're on a different level of just like, where it's, it's wonderful to hear like, and see the things that you do. And that again, just being a songwriter is such a, has anybody ever asked you to write a song for them or Um, have you ever done
2: music for anybody else? Well, actually the city of Albuquerque recently asked me, that was a surprise. That is neat. Well, it wasn't super straightforward. They didn't just come and ask me right away. Like that. It kind of, we had some conversations And the result of those conversations Ended up being that I said, well, I could write a song And they were like, oh, okay And, you know, and so um, But yeah, I guess in the end They did ask me to write a song about Albuquerque So <laughs> um And uh, Hmm, well, you know I have an ex-boyfriend who Like, keeps asking me <laughs> When am I going to write a song about him <laughs> Or actually before we, before we, uh, we, you know, parted ways and, and we're still, we're, we're friends. It's been a few years, you know, but before we parted ways, I remember him saying like, it's okay. Like if, you know, I know you have to do your own thing or whatever, but just please promise me that you'll write a song about me. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and I did actually, I wrote two or three. Wow. So, and they're, and yeah, they're nice. They're nice songs. Oh, good. Too. They're not. <laughs> They're nice. They're nice songs. Cause yeah, yeah.
1: That is so cool. You wrote three songs about him, and have you ever shared them with? Shared those songs with him? Um,
2: yes, I did. Actually, during COVID. Oh, yeah, cool. we had like- really been in touch, but I like kind of got worried. You know, when we were in COVID and everything, and and I was like, oh my god, because I had in my mind like, oh someday I'll like, you know, they'll be on an album and maybe then i'll send it to him or something but then covid hit and i was kind of like oh i what if you know yeah you just never know and so i got in touch with him and i was like just you know i have these songs and like we're in covid and i did, wanted to make sure that you heard them because like you never know and um so yeah. that was kind of funny and uh Did he like them? Yeah, he was thrilled. He was thrilled. How could he not, though? They're probably amazing. (laughs) Yeah, so. So
1: what things do you have coming up in the next couple of months that you can let people know? Where can they find you?
2: Oh, my goodness. Let us know
1: social media, Instagram, I don't know, Facebook, and then any venues that you will be playing.
2: Yeah, um the uh you should go to my website com to see my full schedule um because there's always sort of things being added um it's a, it's a little bit patchy this coming post covid thing i haven't been super aggressive about um booking partially because i was struggling with some health stuff in may and then um yeah, so so I know there's some musicians out there who are like, boom, here's my schedule, and I'm yeah. playing like, boom, 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 and I'm like, okay, I'm not quite ready for that yet. Um, I'm so, not either. Yeah. So, um, so you can go to my website for my schedule. I know on July 31st, I will be at the Nuevo Americana Music Festival in Costilla, New no Mexico, needs. put on okay. by Chris Arellano. I'll be playing kind of earlier in the day, that day. Um, I know that I'm playing the Santa Fe Tra- Traditional Music Festival in August, uh, late August 25th or 26th, something like that. And, uh, I'll be playing at the Sawmill Market on the 13th, 20th, and 21st, I believe, in Albuquerque, just like a little one-hour set between 4 to 5, um. I should grab my schedule, I guess. But, you know, different things keep being added. Um, At the moment, there's nothing, no big crash, boom, bang, like, da-da! Those
1: are really really awesome gigs there, I think. You know, just because sometimes you, the fiestas and all of that, Mm -hmm. of course, those are being put on hold. But, you know, to have these, I'm always a big supporter in, like, the underground music. And, Mm -hmm. like, to me, to hear that music They're just, you know, you're getting good music, good musicians. Mm -hmm. And sometimes these little festivals and stuff, you want to go somewhere different Mm -hmm. and you get a different crowd of people and a different gathering of people. And it's nice to go to that because what's so again, cool with you is that you're so versatile that you could do those fiestas, but also you could do these, um, these festivals that they have. And it's just like you fit in wherever you go and that's an amazing attribute that you have and that you can do with your music. So, um, you know, before we end, I just want to ask, um, is there any advice for anybody who's in the music or anything that you can give as far as where, you know, a piece of advice, a piece of wisdom from Laura Montanares? which I know there's a lot, of just watching you and how you go about your music, but is there something or what would Laura tell anybody who's aspiring to do music and to go into, you know, follow their passion and, and going forward with something that they want to do or aspire to
2: do? I guess I would say you are enough.
1: I love that. You're enough. It's that simple. You are enough.
2: Yeah, you are enough, and you are not too much, either. Yeah,
1: <laughs> right there. Boom. That's what I wanted. To, that's
2: what I need to remind myself a lot, and that helps. That helps me, like for gigs. Like, yeah. um, I had a I played at a private event on Sunday, um, and I, I had to drive for a few hours to get there, and. This is just one example. I had to drive for a few hours to get there and like I had planned to wear this dress and like have my outfit planned and everything and and I was like, oh, this is going to be like I'm going to look so fancy and you know, I'm going to take my new hat and like this, you know, turquoise earrings and all this stuff. And the day that I was going to go, I had it all laid out and everything. Like I put everything in the car. I thought I did, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I, and I took off and I was like, I got to get there on time and like, okay, if everything's going okay, like I'm going to get there on time or in time to stop at this other place first and use the bathroom and change and like kind of put on my makeup and stuff. And I, and I. Pulled in to the place where I was going to change, and I was like, "All right." In my head, I was like, "Okay, this I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to go to the place, and da da da." And I got the, and I pulled in and like opened the back of the car, and I was like, "I forgot my dress." Oh, Oh crap! You know, like I had everything except the dress, and so there was a moment of like. Oh no, you know, like I had this picture of myself in my mind of how I was going to look and how I was going to like, people were going to, um, I don't know, you know, dress up so that you can, you know, be like a star or whatever, you know, like, yeah. Um, or, or fulfill some expectations that you think that they have, Mm -hmm. you know, like they're expecting something and you have to fulfill that thing. And, um, so I realized that I'd forgotten my dress and I was like, Oh crap. But I didn't have time again. I didn't have time to get mad at myself because I had to get to the gig. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh no. And I like looked in my other bag of just normal clothes and just like pulled out a pair of jeans. And was like, well, I didn't forget my like nice high heeled boots. So, you know, those will dress up the jeans and I still have had brought my jewelry. So, okay. I'm just going to like do it with accessories and like, and just was like, you know What? I'm here, they hired me, so they must like what I do, and so, you know, here I am, this is me, and I'm just, I'm gonna go be myself, and that's gonna have to be enough, and it was, because, you know, they didn't run me out of the place, and they paid me, so I guess I did okay.
1: (laughs) I love that story, that is like a huge, profound story, with so much wisdom behind it, you know, sometimes we put those expectations on ourselves to meet, like you said, that certain, thing. And that's not even what the people are like focused on. It's it's sometimes we play it up in our head of what we need to do. And we don't, we don't love ourselves enough, or we don't give ourselves enough credit. And we're too busy focused on what everybody else is Mm -hmm. around us might think. And in reality, maybe that's not even what they think. That's the pressure we put on ourselves. And especially as women, I Mm -hmm. think that's something I think as women, we do to ourselves a lot more Mm -hmm. than we, we should, instead of just knowing that the fact that you can get out there and do what you do is like huge and not a lot of people can do that. Yeah. This has been so fun. I am so honored, Laura, that you took the time to be on vibe, New Mexico and just to share your wisdom and your talents and, and hopefully we can do this again. I want to do like something with women where we can all get yeah. together and just talk. Yeah. Like, oh the, my like goodness. The, yeah. So that that's definitely so great that, F-
2: female musicians and artists
1: and right. stuff. Yeah. And it's actually in the works. Mm-hmm. I've talked with a few other people and they're like, of course, you know, so you're definitely one of those ones I want in there because again, your wisdom is just huge. It's, it's profound and it's so grounding to be able to talk to somebody like you who's just, you know, just so laid
2: back. You know, so thank you, Laura, so much. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it.
0: She might